0: Welcome to the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. These sermons are being presented to you in the interest of your connection with Bible truth. I'm Warren Berkeley. Early in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul pronounces the human race guilty of sin. Jews, Gentiles, everyone, he affirms in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Now, we can call that the bad news but he is paving the way to announce and explain the good news that sinners can be saved because of the grace of God providing salvation in Jesus Christ. All right, here's one part of what Paul wrote about the problem of sin. This is Romans chapter 2 and verse 8, where Paul wrote this sober warning. For those who are self-seeking... There will be wrath and fury. This is one of many reasons to diligently avoid being self-seeking. That pathway in life leads to wrath and fury. One more reason to respond to the gospel of Christ than live as a disciple of Christ. Now, that expression, self-seeking, it may be more familiar for us to call this selfishness and it may be helpful to describe the opposite as humility. It occurs to me, inside of several sermons I've delivered recently, down underneath sinful behavior, there is the assertion of self against God. Last Sunday morning, I spoke from James chapters 3 and 4 about how worldliness is a heart issue. I spoke about the Christian's integrity a couple of weeks before, and it was necessary to identify dishonesty, slander, and gossip, and that all comes from inside of us. One of the connections we need to make when we read and study the Bible and make application of it to our lives is the connection between the internal and the external. To put that another way, If I can follow Christ with such commitment that self is conquered and Christ is enthroned inside of me, that's the pathway away from wrath and fury to glorify God and anticipate His heavenly home. Let's identify selfishness. I want to give you from the Bible five identifying marks of being self-centered. Self seeking, selfish. I'll start back in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. One mark of selfishness is rejecting guilt, refusing to be corrected. And one common expression of that is the defensive retort usually offered very quickly, it's not my fault. I understand that one may be the target of false charges, and I understand one may suffer punitively, though not guilty of anything. But I'm talking about this. Sinners rejecting guilt when charged, automatically claiming they have done nothing wrong, when in truth they have. Proverbs 12.15 speaks to the matter of the fool who always considers himself to be right, notice, in his own eyes. There are people guilty of sin in the eyes of the Lord. When evidence is presented to invite them out of sin, they immediately reject guilt. It's not my fault. In the Old Testament, there is the case of King David who after his sin with Bathsheba was charged with that sin by Nathan the prophet. In those now famous words, you are the man. In the old King James, thou art the man. And as you read that account in 2 Samuel 12, there comes a time where David said in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. He agreed with Nathan's rebuke. That's the right response when you are guilty. There are people, I pray not any of us, who habitually and consistently refuse to take responsibility for their sin. And that's a mark of the selfish. It's self-centered, self-seeking, self-ambitious. It's not ever their fault. Evidence can be presented with love and care for the soul. Witnesses can testify. They are not ever guilty. You hear excuses and lies and cover-ups, but not what David said, I have sinned against the Lord. I need to watch for that kind of arrogance in myself. I vigorously say to each of us, Never get to a place where you are always right, never wrong, stubbornly claiming to be righteous when the evidence speaks otherwise. Number two, being willing to lie. Actually, we've just covered this in a previous point. When the guilty denies their sin, that is a lie. Lying can become habitual for those who are self-seeking. In Revelation 21, in verse 8, this statement is chilling. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, is there a sin in that list that isn't related to and originating in selfishness? I read this the other day in a document that wasn't written from a biblical perspective. Narcissists lie to make themselves look good. They lie to get out of emotional responsibility. They lie to manipulate. They lie to gain influence. They lie out of habit. Well, I'll say again, make a sincere commitment to follow Jesus Christ, and lying can be a part of your forgiven past that is gone. Be turning for this next point to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Selfish people can be condescending because they have an exaggerated view of themselves. Luke 18, Jesus related this narrative to convict people guilty of pride. I'm in Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This man thought so highly of himself. He issued rewards to himself. He just knew he was better than others, and certainly better than the tax collector. That's what can happen to us when we think and speak without humility and meekness. We look down on others. All those words come to mind, condescending, snobby, elitist, superior. If we think and speak this way, people around us may see right through it. And certainly God sees that attitude. If we are like this, we are the ones who need to see it in ourselves and find the remedy in submission to Jesus Christ. Number four, we continue to identify selfishness. Being a hypocrite. Listen to what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, Jesus is not telling us to never tell people they are wrong. Nathan told David he was wrong. Paul told the Romans that all have sinned. The point Jesus is making is take the log out of your eye. Am I condemning others when I refuse to condemn myself for the same sin? I need to take the log out of my eye for my own sake. Then I can see clearly to come to the aid of others. Jesus uses the word here and in other places, hypocrite. We may use the words or the phrase two-faced. Or what about this expression, stage face"? You have one face on stage performing to an audience. It's only a performance. One product of selfishness is hypocrisy. Here's another statement of it in James 1.26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. Number five, another identifier of selfishness, being vengeful, punishing those you don't like or believe have offended you or crossed you or that simply disagree with you. Perhaps covert or openly seeking to get that sweet payback. I'm back in Romans where Paul wrote clearly of this manifestation of selfishness in Romans chapter 12. I want you to listen to verses 14 through 21. Romans twelve, fourteen through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Christians, we just cannot let ourselves get into that mad cycle of payback. Earlier in Romans 12, Paul said, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The Bible is a powerful book from God. And part of what he is doing is telling us to look at ourselves closely. When we do, with humility and self honesty, we are able to identify our sins, and that means our need for what God offers in Christ. Selfishness can rage inside us, and if not identified and given up, can lead us into all kinds of ugly, unrighteous behaviors that hurt people and offend the God who made us and loves us and before whom we will stand in judgment someday. So I want to leave you with this. In Luke 9.23, it is a conversion passage, an invitation to leave selfish living, leave any sin that you're guilty of. It says, Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is worded as an invitation an invitation to follow Jesus Christ. To accept that invitation, one must deny himself. That means self is no longer number one. You no longer independently determine your own steps. Rather, your life is about total dedication to the Lord. That's now what your life is about from the inside out following Him daily, using the Word to examine your thoughts and intentions, such as we've done today. Once I make that commitment, and I'm baptized into Christ, I must make certain that self doesn't retake the throne, pushing Christ aside. Jesus must be the Lord of our lives, our whole lives, as Paul wrote, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We pray these are the words that you live by. Thank you for being with us in this recording.